Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of It Could Happen. We're down to the wire now. There are only 15 days to Election Day, and the country is currently without a vice president. Who will Trump pick? Will Congress confirm that pick before Election Day? Where do we stand with a viable vaccine for the coronavirus? And the most important question that might be answered in this episode, who will win the election? Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Monday, October 19th. This is Bill Beckley reporting. We have breaking news. President Trump has nominated former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, to become the vice president of the United States. The announcement was made in the White House briefing room just moments ago. Our sources have been working diligently over the weekend to try to gain as much insight into the decision process. What they have been reporting has been quite astonishing. We heard earlier this morning that the president had to be talked out of nominating Jared Kushner. Sources close to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, have confirmed that it was the president's first inclination. At the same time, sources close to Ivanka Trump claimed that the first daughter was incensed that she was not considered before her husband. Mr. Meadows could not be reached for comment. The nomination will go before the House and Senate for confirmation. Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Wednesday, October 21st. This is Bill Beckley reporting. This just in from the Capitol. In an extraordinary display of bipartisanship, both the Senate and House of Representatives have approved the nomination of Nikki Haley as Vice President of the United States. She is scheduled to take the oath of office within the next few hours. The New York Times and the Washington Post each ran a first-page story detailing massive problems within the U.S. Postal Service as they set up to process millions of election ballots. At the same time, CNN and Fox News are running stories about millions of fraudulent ballots being mailed to election officials throughout the country. The source of these phony ballots nor how many might be out there, is unknown. They are easy to spot, but their presence in an already overcapacity postal system is wreaking havoc with the process. The Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, just announced that the vaccine developed by Pfizer and German partner BioNTech has been approved for use by the FDA. Their vaccine, referred to as BNT162B2, is what is known as a nucleoside-modified messenger RNA. While this is very good news in terms of having a viable vaccine to prevent COVID-19, the problem is that it requires two doses to be effective, and the United States has made a deal to acquire only 100 million doses before the end of the year, meaning only 50 million Americans will be able to get the vaccine. The United States placed its biggest bet on the vaccine being developed by Oxford University and AstraZeneca. Once approved, the United States would gain access to 300 million doses. Approval for that vaccine and three others, totaling 6 million potential doses, are still pending, however, leaving the U.S. holding millions of doses of vaccines that cannot be used. In other news from the campaign, President Trump announced that he will hold 10 rallies in seven states in 10 days, beginning October 24th, including two each in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Ohio.
The president is banking on repeats of the successful rally he held in North Carolina in early September. With former Vice President Joe Biden's sideline, Mr. Trump has not felt the need to try to hold more rallies, especially since he is able to essentially give a campaign speech every weekday evening in the guise of a coronavirus task force briefing. Polls are still showing it to be a close race, and Senator Kamala Harris has proven to be a very effective candidate for the Democratic Party. It will be interesting to see what the actual turnout is at these upcoming rallies. Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Thursday, October 22nd. This is Bill Beckley reporting. President Trump has gone on the offensive regarding approvals for the remaining coronavirus vaccine candidates. The FDA has yet to approve any of the vaccines nearing the end of their Phase three trials from Johnson & Johnson Janssen, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and yet a fourth candidate from BioVax LLC, a relatively unknown company citing concerns over their effectiveness and, in one case, reports of questionable Phase three trial results and adverse side effects. This morning, the president announced that he had fired FDA Commissioner Dr. Stephen Hahn. We have just learned that Dr. Hahn was fired when he refused the president's order to grant emergency approval of the vaccine developed by BioVax LLC. The Washington Post is also reporting that the president attempted to appoint FDA Deputy Commissioner Dr. Amy Abernethy to the position of acting commissioner, but she resigned, knowing that she too would be asked to grant the emergency approval. At a hastily called White House briefing just moments ago, President Trump announced that he had appointed Dr. Deborah Burks to the position of acting commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration. Dr. Burks accepted the position at the briefing and immediately announced that she agreed with the president that granting emergency approval of the BioVax LLC vaccine before phase three trials were complete is, quote, an acceptable risk given the circumstances, unquote. Sources within the White House are now confirming that the Trump administration had secured a deal in July with BioVax LLC to produce 500 million doses of their vaccine in advance so that they would be available almost immediately in the United States. The reaction on social media was swift and brutal. The hashtag Stockholm Syndrome Burks is trending on Twitter and is showing up on all other social media platforms. The TikTok memes have been particularly unflattering of both the president and Dr. Burks. On the other hand, Fox News has been praising the incredible foresight shown by the president to make the deal and force the FDA to grant emergency approval in order to save American lives. Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Monday, October 25th. This is Bill Beckley reporting. With less than 10 days to go before Election Day, the financial news could not be better for President Trump. The Dow Jones Industrial Average hit 30,100 late this morning. The S&P and NASDAQ have also achieved record highs. There is no question that these gains are in direct response to both the approval of a second coronavirus vaccine and the alleged Operation Warp Speed plan to get them to the public. 
In other news, doctors are refusing to give any type of prognosis for former Vice President Biden. Kamala Harris has steadfastly refused to hold in-person rallies and has maintained her strategy of conducting a 100% virtual campaign. She has turned up her sharp attacks on the president's performance during the pandemic, doing everything she can to hang the over 250,000 deaths on his incompetence. At the same time, Democrats and significant groups of Republicans fed up with Trump are out campaigning in force. The Lincoln Project, Republican Voters Against Trump, Veterans Against Trump, Vote Vets, Tom Steyer, Mike Bloomberg, and George Soros are flooding the airwaves with anti-Trump, pro-Biden-Harris advertisements focusing on the key battleground and swing states. I've been covering elections for 20 years. During that time, there have been any number of October surprises, most recently the announcement in 2016 by FBI Director James Comey, literally days before the election, that he was reopening an investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails. However, nothing has ever compared with the surprises of October 2020, and I doubt that anything ever will. While it technically happened in September, the Democratic candidate for president suffered a stroke that has left him in a medically induced coma for the duration of the campaign. On October 13th, the President of the United States unilaterally imposed martial law in numerous cities across the country. And finally, a sitting Vice President was stricken with the coronavirus and died. It's anybody's guess how these events will affect the voters on Election Day. Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Wednesday, November 4th. This is Bill Beckley reporting. For the first time since the infamous presidential election of 2000, the winner of the 2020 presidential election was unknown when voters woke up this morning. Local election boards in many states have been unable to keep up with tabulating the returns. Due to their experience with mail-in voting, Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Washington are able to provide legitimate vote counts, and in the early hours this morning, each of these states declared Joe Biden to be the winner. By late morning, the states of North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, New Mexico, and Nebraska all declared President Trump to be the winner. Good afternoon. It is 12 p.m. on Friday, November 6th. This is Bill Beckley reporting. Our network is now able to confirm that Senators Cory Gardner of Colorado, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Susan Collins of Maine, Martha McSally of Arizona, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky have all lost their re-election bids in what is becoming one of the biggest blue tsunamis in history. As a result, control of the Senate has shifted solidly to the Democrats. While the Democrats have maintained control of the House of Representatives, there were relatively minor changes in the overall makeup of the lower chamber. Dozens of states have yet to confirm the vote counts for president and vice president. The lack of effective exit polls and the significant amount of mail-in ballots has caused the delay in knowing who has won the election. 
President Trump has been tweeting furiously, claiming that the election is rigged and mail-in ballot fraud is rampant, even before knowing whether he won or lost. Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Thursday, November 12th. This is Bill Beckley reporting. Here is the latest election update. As we learned late last night, the state of Texas announced, after an incredibly close count, that President Trump is the winner in Texas. Unfortunately for the citizens of the United States of America, the Electoral College vote also confirms that we are anything but united. For the first time since 1824, the Electoral College vote count is a tie, 269 to 269. As if the year 2020 had not already delivered enough surprises, turmoil, and heartache, a tie in the Electoral College is, as historian John Meacham put it, just surreal. While the country will not know the results of the Electoral College vote until such votes are actually cast on December 14th, assuming that nothing changes, it will not be until after January 6, 2021, when we will know who the president and vice president will be for the next four years. Under the Constitution, if there is a tie in the Electoral College, the president will be chosen by the House of Representatives from the top three vote-getters, and the Senate will choose the vice president from the top two vote-getters. While it might seem that this assures a victory for the Biden-Harris ticket, that is not actually true. In the House of Representatives, each state gets one vote, and that vote is determined by the majority party of the representatives in that state's delegation. In the new House of Representatives, that would actually mean that President Trump would remain president, as Republicans control 26 of the 50 state delegations, despite being in the overall minority in terms of total members. The new Senate, now controlled by Democrats, would likely pick Senator Kamala Harris as vice president. I invite you to let that one sink in for just a moment. Good afternoon. It's 12 p.m. on Friday, November 13th. And what a Friday the 13th it's shaping up to be. This is Bill Beckley reporting. The White House issued a statement this morning indicating that the Department of Justice is opening investigations into significant ballot fraud in Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and New Mexico. The Democratic National Committee has filed lawsuits looking for recounts in Michigan and North Carolina, but are not claiming voter fraud as the basis for the recount requests. Rather, the margins of less than 1% in each state have triggered this action by the DNC. The biggest story of the 2020 election could very well be the vote tally in Mississippi. There are a mere 5,372 votes separating the apparent winner, President Trump, from former Vice President Joe Biden. The Democrats have filed a lawsuit in Mississippi claiming that local election boards disqualified a disproportionate number of Democratic mail-in ballots. Mississippi Secretary of State Michael Watson, a Republican, had opposed expanded mail-in ballots. The state's official position regarding the 2020 election was that, quote, voters could apply for a mail-in ballot claiming temporary illness, but it would be up to local election officials to approve it or not, unquote. 
That's a wrap for the fifth installment of It Could Happen. It appears that the 2020 election has ended in a tie in the Electoral College. The Senate has flipped to the Democrats, and the lawsuits alleging voter fraud are in the courts. You won't want to miss Episode 6. Yes, you will find out who ultimately becomes the President and Vice President of the United States, but that will only be a part of the story revealed in our final episode. So stay tuned.